They believe Christmas. It says in Luke 2, 25, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, that sense of the coming of a Savior. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah, that promised Savior. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts where the, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Child's father and mother, Mary and Joseph, marveled at what he said about him, about the child. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then had been a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So they receive this child. They believe. And then the words of 1 Corinthians 1, beginning of verse 20, 20 to 25, speaking about the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God in all of this. And it says in 1 Corinthians 1, Where are the wise? Verse 20. Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher, the deep thinker of this age? Has, God, has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. So we're thinking this morning of Christmas as the wisdom of God, believing in Christmas. Uh, people of God, this Christmas day, as we gather to celebrate, it's so wonderful to be together. That Christmas story touches our hearts and lives. But it's a reality that those uh, of us, yeah, many here we know and, and love and understand and believe, but, but there are many who don't. This Christmas morning, we are the, re the exception to come to church on a Christmas morning to have this focus at the center is not uh, the common thing anymore. I even heard it just recently. There was a Christian radio show, and, and they were just uh, on the radio, beautiful, singing carols and, and hymns like we were doing, and they were 
talking about the story of Christmas, and the, the radio host was, was uh, just explaining, too, how God came in Jesus and how, how Jesus is the Son of God sent to save the world, and I was born in Bethlehem, and, and then went on a little bit too about his life and death and resurrection. And, and as he was doing that and playing the songs and stuff, then, then a person called in. They had a phone in. And so a person phoned in and, and just wanted some clarification, just, just wanted to, to understand. And it was very much a 1 Corinthians 1 verse 21 where it says to uh, the wisdom of God... Uh, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. And so someone phoned in who, who didn't really get, couldn't really understand what was all going on. And, and the call went something like this, the caller. You mean to tell me the God of all the universe became a baby? And the radio host said, yes. Then he was born in a little town and uh, far away and, and just, just in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And then he grew up in a poor house. He never wrote any books. He never traveled around the world. He never studied at a university. He never lived in a palace. The radio host said, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the caller continued, yeah, he came to die. He was rejected by his own people. He was crucified on the cross, and after three days he rose and he ascended to heaven? Yes, the radio said, that's, that's the story. That's what I'm saying. At this point, the caller pauses and says, well, doesn't all of that sound, doesn't that sound just a little absurd? A little foolish. Isn't that unreasonable? Isn't that beyond what we would just say, oh, that's true. And so then the radio host, too, was an awkward silence. And then in, in honesty and in love, he responded, yeah, I guess it does sound just, just a, little, a little absurd, a little, a little beyond <laughs> what might be true. That reality of, okay, it's quite a story. It's quite a stretch. Unless, of course, unless it is true. Unless it is true. Then it's the most amazing thing ever. But the wisdom of this world struggles with is it or isn't it? Not sure. Maybe you have met or talked to people too who, who wonder about it. They like a lot of stuff about Christmas. They, they get involved to whatever degree they, they manage. But, but if you would really push them to say, well, this is really true, they would definitely hesitate. What could you say? How would you respond to these people? And, and thinking this morning, especially of the Christmas story, how could you explain it to someone who is quite skeptical? How could you help them uh, believe, to believe Christmas? It doesn't help, I think, that at this time of year, 
There are uh, a couple of other uh, stories that get told that are completely fanciful. Within our tradition, uh, some of the background, uh, the ethnic background of, of some of us here, we have a story that we like to tell of, of this gentleman here. Do we have a, a picture of Sinterklaas or not? Ah, there he is. This is a fanciful story of a man who comes from Spain and he comes with his helper and he comes on his boat and he rides a white horse and it's, uh, it's around December 5, uh, uh, a nice time of exchanging gifts and celebration, but it's not real. It's, it's a story. It's, it's just fun. Though I did see him in our church here on December 6. If you talk to some of the people, I think we have a few people. Nathan is a believer and Riley, there's a couple of, yeah. But it's a story. It's just a nice story. But this story has developed into, into another story. And I was struck, I was attending the, uh, the New West Choir. They had a beautiful choir evening in Calgary, choir and symphony. And our son Stephen, he sings in the choir and they put a beautiful program together. And in between, they interspersed it with uh, just interviews with kids and some of the kids of the choir. And they asked them about, uh, about this guy. Do we have this guy here? Yeah. They asked the kids about Santa Claus. And I, I was actually quite... It was, it was just... It was fun, and they were having fun with it. And it's not a problem, really. But, yeah... They knew every detail. Where does Santa live? The North Pole. What does he have there? Reindeer. Who helps him with the present? The elves. And, and they knew the whole story through and through. And that story, if you look at the, the Christmas movies and all of the things around us, this, this story. But is it real? Of course it's not real. Of course it's not real. But it's everywhere in that sense of, well, it's fun and it's fine and it's, it's kind of helpful and, yeah, be good and give gifts. And that's all nice and that's all just fine. But it gives, it gives the sense that this story, this story is like the other stories. And so this is a nice story, too. And some people like this story at Christmas, but it's not true either. The others aren't true, and this one isn't true. It's just nice, and if you like it, it's fine. But don't tell me it's true. It's just a nice story. And yeah, we may know some of the details, though within the population, the details are fading fast. Whiz this again. And what was this all about? And so to recognize that that struggle of expressing like that radio host, this is true. This is an actual truth of God coming in Jesus to be the Savior of a world fallen in sin. This is the truth. It sounds foolish to people. They 
wonder. So how can we, how can we answer them? One of the ways we can answer them is to bring in that last song we sang, that ancient word, ever true. One way is to, to take the Bible, to have the Bible clearly in mind, to recognize, even as Simeon and Anna did, when they saw that child, they, in their reflecting on that child, reflect back biblically to all that God has done. This child, this story, is, is a building up of the whole history of God's saving work. So Simeon mentions in Luke 2.26, this is the Lord's Christ. This is the Messiah. This is the one promised from long ago. And he was promised that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. And that's, that's from from Genesis 3. That's from the very beginning of the biblical record that gives us a sense of, of how this world has fallen into sin and how we need a Savior. And so that needs to be part of, oh, is the story of Jesus true? Yes, it is true. It has to be true because, as the Bible tells us, we are sinful people. And if you look around at Christmas time in this world too, there's struggle, there's pain, there's all kinds of things, and you can engage people too in the sense of, of their own struggles, which do tend to rise to the surface at Christmas time. They say, You need a Savior. I need a Savior. This is the Savior. And so that reality is a biblical truth that needs to go with that story of Jesus. Also, Luke 2, verse 38, where Anna sees the child and speaks about God's work, giving thanks to God, speaks about the child and all who are looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And her, her understanding there, her working that out in her own mind is that this child is, is part of God's work through history, from creation, through calling God's people Abraham, through blessing that people, through the nation of Israel. And yeah, that nation now, again, in the Holy Land, the city of Jerusalem, an actual place, all of the things that God has done and is doing through that, this is the real story. It's not the North Pole. You go there, nothing there. This is the real Jesus, the Savior, the center of Christmas. And so that sense of, of letting the Word of God taking the Word of God, honoring and expressing the Word of God continues to speak into people's lives. If they are uncertain, if they are unsure, if, if they have questions about, well, what about this Jesus and what about the details around Christmas? It, it's not just something right there. It has a whole history, clear and strong and powerful and true. And you can encourage people who have questions to read that again, to read it with them to work through it with them. This is the truth of God's Word. You can see it as well. If you take this reality of Jesus' birth and, and look at Jesus' life, this amazing birth that you say, how is that possible, is, is simply the first step in his whole life, which was amazing. 
and have people read through the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of Matthew, if they're not sure, if they're uncertain, if they're skeptical, ah, it's just a story, it's not real. Well, read through the Gospels. Read the Gospel of Mark. The Gideons will give you a Bible if you don't have a Bible. Take it. Read it. If you're unsure, if you're uncertain, you're a smart person. You are able to understand things. Take it, read it, study it. And then come back and we can talk about it. But this is simply the beginning of the whole story of Jesus who is a historical figure, tremendous evidence to all he said and did. And to read again. Gospel of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount, Gospel of Mark, explaining how Jesus ministered to people in love and compassion, to take that to heart. And in that, the Bible has power by the Spirit to change hearts and lives. We can, with confidence, take people who are uncertain, skeptical, and take them to the Word of God. And they will find answers. We also have, out of our reading in 1 Corinthians, just a very humble, humble response where it speaks about this, this work of God seems foolish in this world. And we can even say, I can say to you today, I don't really understand it totally. I cannot explain every detail of that birth, how that was, how God became a baby. I can't describe it for you biologically. I'm, I'm not able to understand it all because it's beyond our understanding. And that's what 1 Corinthians, 5, 1, Corinthians 1 is saying. It's, it's beyond understanding. We can just honestly say that. There's many things I don't understand. There's many things that go on around me that I can't explain to you. There's, there's technical things in this world. There are, there are lots of things you know much better than I do. There are, there are things that we don't, in our limited understanding, grasp. But in this case, to see beyond logic the love of God, that's, that's what's being expressed here. The love of God. God gives himself in Jesus to save us. 1 Corinthians 1.25 The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. So we would say that's foolish for God to do that. But that's wiser than, than anything we could figure out. And to receive God's love beyond understanding, which is indeed in itself beyond understanding. So instead of, instead of coming to someone and saying, you need, to, you need to figure it out and you need to understand as much as you can, and I'll help you. Well, that can only go so far. And so the, the next step is to touch our hearts. God loves you. And he did this for you because he loves you. And things of love often don't make perfect sense. People act in love in ways that don't make perfect sense. That's just a small example of God acting in love to save us. That's 
the wonder of Christmas, the love of God, profound beyond our understanding. Sounds foolish in a way, but to realize it, to receive it, to see it here as the amazing gift that it is. And that's the sense of the sermon title this morning, to believe, to believe in Christmas. That's what we're called to do, though we don't understand it all. We can simply, humbly, thankfully believe. That's God's gift to us this morning, that Christmas is what we believe. As we celebrate the biblical truth that God comes in love in Jesus and that he comes for you and for me. I ask this morning that you simply believe again. Believe that wonderful truth that this Christmas day, Christmas 2014, you have that true sense, that peace, that joy, beyond understanding that God came in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Let's pray together.